Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 320 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us as we continue our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials, covering Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 129 to 132, in the week of November the 8th to November the 14th. I was about to put us back in October then. Uh, and today we are going to have a look at Doctrine and Covenants, section 132. Now, in terms of the background and context of this, I don't want to dwell too long on it, uh, because if I do, then we're not going to get a chance to look at the actual section itself. And because the background and context of this section is very complex, let's say. Um, this is the section that deals with eternal marriage, and also plural marriage. And both of those are different things for a start. I think in the past in the church, we've kind of had those two merged together, suggesting that plural marriage is something that happens in the eternities of a necessity. And um, when you read this section and, and you read of the other revelations that were given and the teachings of the church today, uh, that is not the case. Uh, but that just seems to be something that has just evolved over time in our kind of culture. So let's set that straight first of all. Uh, what I think we need to do is um, understand that this revelation came from a suggestion that um, kind of the idea of plural marriage and uh, eternal marriage, and eternal marriage, as you saw in section 131, was being talked about and taught by the prophet by a number of years, actually, Um but also plural marriage was also uh, something that was made known to him probably as early as 1831. However, he was very reluctant to go about an act uh, kind of working on that law as he himself didn't feel comfortable with it. Um, but there were reasons for it. Uh, and obviously we will try and talk as much as we can about um, those reasons probably tomorrow because the plural marriage section of this um, chapter or section comes kind of halfway through the first half talks more about eternal marriage and celestial marriage and the importance of the family unit so i think it makes sense to focus on that part today and then move into the section on plural marriage tomorrow and what that exactly means for us today because of course um, there was a wonderful quote given and i'm gonna have to paraphrase it because i can't find it by elder quentin l cook in a recent kind of face-to-face -face event uh, and he basically said that Plural marriage was obviously necessary and important for those saints in the early times. There was a reason it was given to those saints uh, for a number of factors, which we can talk about tomorrow. Um, he didn't say that. I, I'm saying I'm adding that bit in. Um, but then he said that, you know, that that law now, however, is not required for our time and it will not be uh, for us. Uh, and so, you know, whilst it may not be required, it's important to know about it. It's important to know what, um, you know, uh, impact or uh, relevance it may have in our time or in our, or in our eternities, if any. Uh, but right now, I think uh, what I'm going to do is I'll start with the section, uh, section 132, and go from there. As I say, it was given to the Prophet Joseph Smith, this section, uh, to give to Hiram uh, to share with Emma uh, because of her. And let's be open about this. Um, Emma was partially accepting shall we say, of this uh, principle. But, uh, but to begin with, she, she like many others, uh, was very reluctant and very, well, actually, she was more than reluctant. She was not happy with it to begin with. Um, so the Lord gives this understanding, first of all. Notice uh, in verse 1, it talks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
Moses and others about having many wives. And when you look in the history of the Old Testament, it seems that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Moses all had multiple wives and they had those without any condemnation from the Lord. Whereas people like David and Solomon, when you read about their having many wives and concubines, um, they were not, <laughs> let's say, um, not praised, but they were not um, accepted of the, of the Lord in having those wives, uh, those multiple wives. And so we'll have to have a look and see what the difference between those two groups were. And it becomes very clear when you look at the actual scriptures. But first of all, in verse three, it says, Therefore, prepare thy heart to receive and obey the instructions which I'm about to give unto you. For all those who have this law revealed unto them must obey the same. So this is uh, something which we have to um, remember, is that it was a very difficult law, um, not, not eternal marriage, and that is what we're focusing on today. But obviously later in the section, we do move on to plural marriage. And the Lord recognises how difficult it was for these people. And he asked them to prepare their hearts that they can obey the instructions. Um, however, the blessing of this, the fact that we can have marriages continue beyond the veil, is a, such a marvellous blessing. It's so wonderful. Uh, L. Ray L. Christiansen said this, quote, Death does not separate husbands and wives who are united by the power of our have Father in heaven in his holy temples. It does not take the children from the parents because these children are born under the covenant and the parents have a right, to, a right and a claim on them in the life hereafter. President Brigham Young made this very clear when he said, when a man and a woman have received their endowments and sealings and then had children who born unto them afterwards, whose children are legal heirs to the kingdom and to all its blessings and promises, and they are the only ones that are on the earth. Yet I've heard persons say to me, surely a just God would not want marriage to terminate with this life, and I have agreed and I have agreed with them. The Lord does not want that to be. That is why he's instituted this principle of eternal marriage. And he has given to man here upon the earth the power, the authority, and the keys to seal the seal upon the earth and have it sealed as it ratified in the heavens. Close quote. Um, the Lord continues on in verse 4 to say, For behold, I reveal unto you a new and everlasting covenant. And if ye abide not that covenant, then ye are damned. But no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter into my glory. Now, again, let's make this very clear. It sounds very harsh language, this, this scriptural language. But of course, remember that the word damned just simply means you cannot progress any further. Um, and we will read that later on, that you know, without being eternally to married together, then we cannot have an increase. And obviously, we do not know exactly. I mean, once we start getting into what that looks like in the life after we start getting to the kind of esoteric doctrine which we know partial things about but not many things for example you know we the fact we know we have we have a we have a heavenly mother and the suggestion we have a heavenly mother because we a heavenly father has lived all the laws and all the commandments that 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 heaven requires um and the fact that celestial marriage or eternal marriage is one of those laws makes that suggestion that we have a heavenly mother and as we have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother that suggestion that we are their children their heaven their, their spirit children does that mean that if we aren't eternally married then we can't have a posterity for the eternities like our heavenly father probably but again <laughs> um you know it's not we we don't know exactly what that looks like but what we do know 
is that we can't receive eternal progression and increase uh, without this everlasting covenant of marriage. Um, Al Ray Al Christensen went on to say, quote, If after we've received our endowments in the temple and have entered into the covenant of marriage, we refuse to do what the Lord has prescribed that we do, live according to the laws and abide in my covenant, as he says, if we fail to do that, then we are in danger of losing the blessings which are promised, which can only be realised upon our faithfulness. Close quote. This relates to the Holy Spirit of promise. It's this idea that, you know, a temple marriage is just that. It is a marriage that happens in the temple. Um, and I think that some, some, sometimes when we when individuals get married in the temple, they think, that's it, we've made it. You know, we've done that action and that's it now. And that's kind of the same way if you think, if you think about that way in baptism, thinking, oh, I'm baptised now, I'm saved. You know, I don't need to worry about anything. Of course, we are saved. In fact, you know, when we talk about the word saved and we need to define more clearly what that is, I think, because in theory, if we're talking about receiving a degree of glory and being resurrected and having eternal um, peace and joy, then actually everyone on this earth will be saved, even if they're not baptised. If we're talking about salvation in the sense of living with our Heavenly Father and our Saviour forever and our families, well, actually, living with our Heavenly Father and Saviour in, in greater glory and peace and happiness than we can even ever comprehend, then, of course, we're talking about keeping our covenants, our baptismal covenants, and living in the celestial kingdom. Exaltation, though, of course, is a different matter. And we're going to be talking about what exaltation really means, hopefully more towards the end of this episode, if not tomorrow. Um, but this, um, this exaltation is about a family, and of course, we can't have that, and therefore we are damned as as such, or we cannot progress further uh, if we do not live in this everlasting covenant. Now, of course, I've just realised that uh, we are now in the, just reaching ten minutes, <laughs> which is cra- which is crazy, uh, because there's so much more to get through here. I don't even know if we're going to reach the poor marriage part of this. I may think about doing a, an episode on Monday about that. Our Monday episode because. There is just so much packed into this, uh, and we'll have to see. But I hope you've enjoyed the study today with the background and context of section 132, and of course the beginning of section 132, and we'll see what we get to tomorrow. There's so much to learn here, and hopefully you're studying this alongside our, our discussions as well. Thank you very much for your time, and until we meet again.